Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Annapurna Verse podcast. We'll be talking about Catherine Bigelow's 2017 film, Metroid. Hello and welcome to the Annapurna Verse podcast. I am your co-host, Alex, and joining me as usual is my other co-host, Billy. Hi, you good? How you doing? I'm Over great, there. thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Down down south. I always have to make a comment on our like physical distance. People don't care about your location when it comes to podcasts, Billy. I don't know what your obsession is. I with know, it. but you're allowed to be down south. I'm up north in the better place of And in the, the middle is our guest. Nicola. <laughs> <That's interesting. laughs> Hello. In the Midlands. How are you doing today? I am very well, thank you very much. Good, good stuff. Well, at last uh, episode on the pod we did uh, like his missing link and the film that was chosen at the end of that episode was 2017 Catherine Bigelow film Detroit how did how how did you feel Billy about that that film being picked last week I think it's because like the first time I saw it I was like never anticipating to have it like to have to watch it again and I thought like it was only fair that I actually revisit it and actually watch it so that my thoughts can be accurate so it was kind of like a bit of a oh I don't know yeah so we're gonna start off with when we first watched the film um so Nicola when did you first watch Detroit I feel like it was a Cineworld Unlimited screening at one point um, but I remember being by myself and being glad that I was by myself because I did have a little cry. <laughs> Is that okay to say? <laughs> yeah, of course. Definitely. Yeah, mm, yeah I, it felt was... I had the same thing. Yeah. And and what about you, Billy? Um, the first time, I, I don't re- Maybe it was also an unlimited screening because I do like remember being in uh, a cine world and I remember like the thing is with me is I watched the whole thing and I physically couldn't like, I felt like I couldn't, move or do anything and then like when it ended that is when literally I didn't I didn't leave my seat I just sat and cried yeah I uh was sat where I am right now mm-hmm. at my desk um literally about 12 hours ago maybe a bit longer than that about midnight and I thought you know what I, I was gonna watch it in the morning but I'll, I'll put it on now I'll watch it now um and yeah I I couldn't I was kind of going to watch half of it and then watch the rest in the morning because I was quite tired. But like I watched the entirety of it and I couldn't take my eyes off. It was very, very strange. Mm. Very visceral experience, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, Nicola, why don't you, you start off? What are your thoughts on Detroit? Oof. It was kind of ahead of its time in a way, wasn't it? Was it 2017, if I remember rightly? Yeah. 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 And, um, I mean, because now you've obviously got Judas and Black Messiah, um, you've got Red, White and Blue by Steve McQueen. Um, they're all sort of similar, obviously, topic and time. Um, but, yeah, it's it's such a hard watch, but obviously you really should watch it, in a way. Um, but, yeah, it, it really does grip you. And as you said, you can't really take your eyes off of it even though it's such a horrific time and it, I mean it's only like a span of a night but it feels like it's kind of goes on forever in a way it's just so if it's so immersive in a I think yeah yeah definitely how about you Billy um 
I think for me, when I first watched it, I think you're right, Nicola, in the sense that the first time I watched it, it might have been the first film of its kind where I had seen so much over violence on screen. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen such a true depiction of of how white people well specifically white police treat black people I don't how old would I have been it was five years ago five years ago is that right four years ago oh I, I would have been old enough to have known that <laughs> that I probably should have had a bit of more of an education on it but I think that yeah for me that was definitely the first time that I had seen a film of its kind although I know that there were other things before it that would yeah, have I agree. informed Bigelow's choices yeah I remember back in 2017 because it's a Netflix original didn't it It came out on Netflix or was it in the cinema cinema. I think after its cinema release it got dropped on Netflix and I think that's where I first heard about it because I think it must have been the summer because I remember I got my job at Cineworld like sort of October time of 2017 so I must have missed it's cinema release in that sense. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing it for the first time on Netflix and seeing that John Boyega was in it and kind of being like, oh, I should watch that because I really like John Boyega. But I d- had a, no idea what it was about. And coming to watch it um, just yesterday, I still didn't really have that much of an idea what it was about. And I think that's... A, <laughs> thinking back on it now, pretty terrible that I didn't yeah. even know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think to echo what you both said, it's like kind of is essential viewing, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah. I mean, have you watched, um, in Watchmen, they had the, um, I can't remember what it was called now. Um, like Watchmen and Lovecraft, they've had obviously all the historic events that actually happened in America and I had no idea. And I'm like, this is terrible. (laughs) Like I should know about this if that makes sense. Yeah, no, completely, yeah. And it feels like it, because, I mean, the film even, like the blurb of the film even, like, paints it and says that it is was like one of the darkest nights in American history. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, oh, but I, I had no idea what, what this was, what happened at all. And now I do. I mean, I'm, I think I'm glad I know about it. And after I watched it, I did go and read up on um some sort of more factual stuff because there is a disclaimer at the end of the film that says that obviously um what happened in the the motel was never uh kind of i can't remember what it said exactly but it was, it was like, never like publicized so it's kind of like adapted conversations yeah from- from conversations that they had had with people yeah. who were involved exactly yeah so it was never like kind of factually described in a court of law and that kind of stuff so it's like just eyewitness accounts isn't it and they've kind what they've done is added a bit of creative license to what they imagine might have happened in 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 the events of of that night um so i think it was good to after you know watching the film to go and kind of read up on you know what had actually happened rather than just kind of taking the film as fact and just leaving it at that. Yeah, I think that that's the worry with films like this, especially because our education system here is so poor that we are recycling the same history that 
like I had the same history lesson that my brother who's 12 years older than me had yeah and so like we definitely like as the UK in general we deny our own history but we also deny history from across the ocean like we I don't think did I ever have a history lesson on American history I don't think so and so like I think it really goes to show how much we cover and, and bury and there's so many stories like this that date back like 400 500 you know so many years um that it was kind of like a a lot to to process in in one go and I'm still wondering if it was done in the best way because I think saying that it's essential viewing is is true but for white people I think I don't think that it, it I've seen criticism on both sides of praising it saying it was really well made but I've also seen that it very much fell into like trauma porn and um you know because these are not the first I know that it's way more common now that we see videos on our timeline of um black trauma and people being killed and it's so common to us now um that I don't know should it have been brought out in this year it would quite have the same effect and would it just be perpetuating those kind of traumas do you know what I mean yeah no I think that's definitely a fair point um and I think you're right is because one thing I did do after watching the film as well was you know to go I went on Letterboxd and Rotten Tomatoes and just kind of had a look at you know what other people were saying about it and like you said there are very good arguments for on you know on both sides of the coin and it and like you said it I think it is definitely from you know a white person's perspective kind of you know something to watch but then you know that's that's really the only perspective I can I can see it from so Hmm. what did we um what did we think about the performances in the film I feel like everyone was really like I mean I know that the instant thing to go to is Will Poulter because I think the thing that he was in before this that I'd seen him in was with the Millers yeah so like going from that (laughs) yeah just like a slight jump into because I remember seeing the trailer like really like vividly I remember seeing it multiple times Mm -hmm. and I think that that was kind of like because I don't think the trailer like clearly says what the film is it definitely doesn't go into how dark it is at least Mm. and so I think that that was one of the things that I was kind of most interested in I was like that's a very different role decision for him um yeah I agree I mean I think I've yeah, we're the Millers and uh, Maze Runner, so it was a real difference. Um, oh and yeah, he yeah he was really impressed. It was I thought it was interesting how they cast him, Jack Rayner and Ben O'Toole. I mean, Will and Jack um, generally play kind of good guys, don't they? So it it was an interesting sort of spin on what we're sort of used to seeing them in. Yeah, I think um, you could probably compare that maybe to. Um, you know, like thinking, like like you said, Billy, seeing Will Poulter and Weather Millers, where you know he plays this kind of wacky, you know, fun kind of comedy character, and it, uh, and seeing him in this role and what the character does in the film is very jarring and very kind of, oh well, you wouldn't expect that to happen, but maybe that was exactly the point they were trying to make by having Will Poulter 
play that role. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think it's really important that people because thing like things that concern me in film in general when they um have police is that they always try and make some kind of excuse for the police officer mm-hmm. as in like oh this guy's really stupid or this guy's like I can't think of any examples off the top of my head I actually think in is it three billboards I don't know anyway I think that they always give them like a, a specific trait that kind of like allows the audience to separate themselves from that person as in like we can look at them as like white people and be like oh yeah I'm I'm nothing like that I'm not that but like I think like what you said Alex it's really interesting that he had that role before and so I think for a lot of people that would have been their base point of who he is yeah. and would have felt connected to him on some kind of way that when they see him in this role it's like you know I know it's acting or whatever but it is like a case of oh I could have that kind of inside of me that I haven't recognized or reconciled with that I need to push myself outside of my comfort zone so I'd actually never thought about it like that but I do think that that is is interesting yeah 100 what did we think because one thing that I um thought was very interesting was how they interjected like real um you know like pictures and news reports like you know like how they had yeah. like kind of news reports in the background that was all I I imagined real stuff from when the events actually happened yeah, I made a note of that. I, that was one of the first things I wrote. It was like the documentary cinema verite style, specifically at the beginning, because that is like, they spend like 30 minutes really not doing anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They really just set up the scene and the the location that we're in. And I don't, I don't know if people's attention spans really like go that far anymore. I know it's only been a few years, but like how quickly would you check out of a film if, if you saw that now? Yeah. I, I mean, it's quite a long film, actually, isn't it? It's two hours and... Two, yeah, two yeah, hours and 20 minutes. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that might be another uh, sort of problem with the movie is the fact that, like you said, the way it starts and then kind of when it gets into, well, how long it even takes to get into the kind of the main subject matter of the of the film and the, the you know, the main thing that happens. And then after that, there's a good 45 minutes uh, left of the movie where it kind of, I, I don't know whether it really has anything to say. Do, do you feel like that potentially? Yeah. It felt a bit like sort of, you know, Mangrove sort of went into like the court drama, but they did it so much better. Whereas yeah. this, it felt like it just sort of a bit of an add on that kind of went on and on, if that makes sense. But obviously it helps sort of ground it in reality as well as um, obviously the interconnected um news reports and newspaper things it helped give it a bit of context I felt in a way yeah I think at the beginning actually I was literally just listening to like a Michael Moore conversation I can't remember if it was a channel 4 chat that he had at Sheffield Dockfest or something else but he was saying that um like obviously he's from Michigan and kind of grew up around Flint and Detroit and he was saying when it happened that the white people left the city and they went up like north I think and stayed like away from it and it was literally just left in like so I feel like she was kind of trying to capture that at the beginning to show like who was left on the street who was kind of left fighting and how like white people have always separated themselves because I can't think of seeing like a single white person in that opening sequence other than the police yeah definitely 
I think she definitely did her research and honored it but I think that there's like a point that like a lot of films like this really fall into where they they're honoring it too much that it's like you do need to kind of find some kind of like cinematic way to tell that specifically the end because the end does really and I saw this in quite a few different reviews that it it you know what is it really trying to say it's the kind of thing that now I think people put in like the cards at the the end Mm, yeah I just just kind of felt because the you know the second act and because the second act is the biggest chunk of the movie felt like the most impactful bit out of all of it and then for it to kind of just carry on and then bring John Krasinski into things (laughs) yeah why why did why, why did John Krasinski come into it again another kind of I guess another kind of that casting where you know we know John Krasinski is the nice guy and then Mm. they've put him in this role where he's you know defending these horrible people and you you just can't help but hate him and then then you you know I feel like that more feels kind of feels more like what was the point yeah, really? I actually made a note about that because he comes in and he's like, I've made the note that the quote was like, coercive testimony will be tossed. So I kind of actually do see that point because that's a very like white privilege thing of like, he's going to get the the luxury of having that thrown away. It is kind of like all of the layers in it that I can see the points that were being tried to make is like, he's going to get away with it because he's white. There's no other like explanation of it because so many black people are in prison because of coercive testimony that isn't even like the truth and yet he actually physically did the thing and he's gonna get away with it i just like there's so many moments like that they also went into kind of the, like, um, the witnesses as well how they were all white and and not witnesses the yeah. um, oh they called sorry um you know the people at trials uh that decide the jury. jury. That's sorry, <laughs> completely out of my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the jury yeah. were just completely all white, like Trial of Chicago Seven. <laughs> sorry to bring that up. Um, oh, gosh. But... <laughs> no, no, no. But you're right, though. Yeah, no, definitely. It <clears throat> and the, and the thing is as well with with a film like this, even though you know it's based off historical fact, you kind of want it to go the right way, even though you know in your heart that it's not going to. And I feel like mm. the film does set up for that. Where you kind mm. of like, oh, maybe this will, but obviously it's not going to. And I don't know whether that's probably meant to be more disheartening, I suppose. Well, it's really interesting, actually, that we're talking about this now when it's like a week, two weeks after the Derek Chauvin trial. And yep. there's a quote, I think, in the film that says, police crimina- criminality needs to be treated the same as any other criminality. Yeah. And it's literally just this year I read that I think it I think this is the truth that this may may be misinformation, but George Floyd was the first person who had this kind of justice for him. This is the first time a policeman's been convicted. I think I think I read that as well. Don't take us don't take us on that word. Could be misinformation. I'm... There's so much out yeah. there online that's just not true, but that you know. And and when, you know, nineteen sixty seven, how long ago? <laughs> yeah. Fifty four, fifty five years ago, like 
and we're only just now like scraping the surface and this is another thing is like films like this people um really separate themselves from it be like oh that was years ago it's like no it was in our lifetimes like our parents were alive Mm. yeah definitely i i um another thing i worry about as well is um and especially from the perspective of being a white person i imagine or i can at least think that people might go into this film and after watching it go okay that's enough i've I've done i've done my job now by watching that film yes yeah there's a lot of that whereas obviously again it i mean the film doesn't even scrape the surface of you know how how bad it actually is and how bad the situation is and how similar the situation still is these days Mm. as to how it was back back then it's um yes i think that's another thing as well about that film that is kind of a bit problematic and worrisome i was just gonna say there was um there was a speech sort of uh, just as the the guys were in the um motel hotel place um and they were saying they were explaining to the two girls which one of them was from Skins, which kind of blew my mind. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, Hannah, Hannah Murray. Yeah, I did yeah. wonder. I was like, Hannah Murray is just randomly in this film. This it's is a bit random, weird. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was interesting how they were explaining. Obviously, it's, I think the quote that I wrote down is, "When you're black, it's almost like having a gun pointed right in your face." And I was like, "Wow!" That, but I just can't comprehend, or just it just blows your mind, doesn't it? Really, I, I must say you know that the kind of from that point because i feel like at at that point in the film you've kind of had the i mean obviously you've got the riots going on but you know you've been introduced to these characters these two characters that are in the band um and it's kind of like a more there's there's a more positive light around that their moments in the film um but i think the build-up um of tension in that scene you know, where the, um, you know, the fake shooting happens um, and and that kind of stuff. And then that leads on to him firing the, the tester gun towards the soldiers. And then that's how it all starts. I thought that was built up really well. Yeah, that's a really... I think that there's a lot of, like, those moments between um characters that like the the thing is is like the interactions between each individual character is the whole thing of like there are so much there's so many different aspects of the whole um the whole like situation of that whole week of 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 protests and things that it's like there's so much to focus in on and I think that those like individual interactions were like the strength of this film yeah definitely and I think that maybe might root into a potential problem where the fact that it's trying to tell so many people's stories in one go that it kind of loses its way a little bit. Like, cause you know, you've got the characters who are in the band. Um, you've got uh, Anthony Mackie's character, the veteran. Yeah. You've got uh, John Boyega's character uh, you know, that's its own storyline in a way. Um, then you've obviously got the, the, the police um, and, I think some of it gets a bit lost in translation or at least somebody could come out of the film not really kind of understanding what they were trying to say about each individual character. I think another thing that kind of frustrated me a little bit about it 
was I feel like at some points they were trying to give uh, grace to the police, which I was like, that your whole film is essentially police are bad. Like that is the, yeah. essentially the concept. Are you but, talking about the um, the superior officer who? Um, which one? The you know the one who's in kind of like the shirt, uh, the one who interviews them all and kind of is the person who. Oh, the guy that like was like having a go at. Um, at Will Porter's hip... character. Yeah, 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 him. But also, there's a guy right at the end when um, they finally come up, like all come out of the motel and they find him and then like the white officer like takes him to hospital oh um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i'm really like is. maybe that's true and maybe this is like just me being very cynical but like on what planet i got that there was such a like such a difference between the two and i thought really i was like and he's just come from being harassed by white police like how could you put him in that situation yeah but again like it could be completely rooted in truth it could be entirely the truth but like it's just like on screen after you've watched but it also i guess it also evokes a reaction in you because you're like don't go there like don't talk to him like you you've just witnessed this like 30 minutes of him harassing him and then there's like another guy it's just really overwhelming yeah Mm, yeah no i think i agree with that i was quite surprised they didn't bring anything up about obviously the black panthers and um hoover and anything about that yeah i guess it's just like like we were saying there's so much like to go it's, through it's yeah it's definitely got its fingers in a lot of pies and it's trying to i mean you know it's trying to spin a lot of plates at the same time without them falling and smashing um that if it added any more then it may have gone even more off the rails there was also actually something in the credits that was like it was like the thanks the special thanks one and it was for like the what does it say men and women of the 10th precinct and i was like why are we thanking the police in a film wow that, that seems really bad taste doesn't it i was like i mean maybe they were the the they helped with like research or they had files from from the the night that they like handed over but equally i'm like it, it's also about the context isn't it like if you are if you're gonna do this whole thing you know where we are seeing these these police officers do these terrible things, you know, to innocent people. And then you're going to put that thanks in the credits without saying why you've put it there. It is a bit kind of like, well, what's your motives here? Yeah, it gives a bit of like leeway to, to the present day when it's like just as bad, if not worse, because yeah. like we should have landed at this point and we just continue to do the same awful thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. I was just going to say one scene that I really, really did love was the final one where he has to go to the the church. Yeah. And they're like singing in the church because that is just the most devastating thing that like you, you've watched him go on this journey from being so successful and so, you know, and literally just because of one experience, it completely ruined everything for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that, isn't it? Because I, again, like I was saying before, about there being this such this this positive aura around those characters and yeah. around him specifically, and then obviously what happens, and then 
Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Absolutely and he still. It says that he still lives in in Detroit. Yeah, in the city. Yeah. Um, what did we all think of? Because I personally didn't realize uh, before I watched this film that it was uh, Catherine Bigelow. Or until we discussed it on the last podcast, um, what did you all think of her direct her direction? As I've seen a few people say that um, they don't think that this, or that they think that this, the type of film that it is, like Catherine Bigelow's filmmaking, kind of complements the, the kind of complements it. I haven't. I don't think I've seen any of her other films, so for me, I don't think I have like a. Because I, I I don't I can't compare it to anything, but I I think that in general, like a white person making this kind of film, you have to be. I don't think you can really fault her dedication to to wanting to tell the right story, mm. um, and doing it in a way that like honors her style while also kind of, or at least from what I've seen from like trailers and things, um. I don't know. I don't know as direction. I, I, I think because it is so intense and so um, it does like leave you kind of like motionless and you do feel like so stiff throughout the whole thing. If that was her like aim and intention, then she nailed it. But it's also like you also need to be aware of the the audience. And I do think the audience is is white people. Like I do think it is essentially yeah. like, you know, this is your issue. You need to clean it up. I, I don't know. It's a hard one. It's like everything else of like a, that there's some really great reasons to, to give praise to it. There's also some great reasons to criticize it. And I don't, I don't really know if it's my place to, especially cause I've not seen any of her other films. Like I really can't compare it to anything. Mm. How about you, Nicola? Have you seen? Um... Yeah. Um, she did point break. I didn't know that. <laughs> Mind oh. blown. Um, so yeah, she's, I've seen the Hat Locker and Zero Dark Thirty and it's, it's kind of interesting to see, um, obviously the action and the sort of not steady cam whatsoever <laughs> that lends itself to this. Um, but the subject matter to go from like army sort of praising the army in Hurt Locker, well, but not really. Um, it's, it's kind of, it doesn't really sit with me if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously mm-hmm. Zero Duck 30 is a, it looks at the sort of darker underbelly of what happened in Iraq. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. She obviously tries to do her best with this, and it, it like her directing skills do lend it to this. But I I don't know how you go from Hurt Locker to to this if that makes sense. That's interesting because actually Zero Dark Thirty is one of our films that we will get to at some point. Yeah, um, that neither me or Billy have seen. That so. neither of us have seen. So it is interesting that you say that because um, I don't I don't really have like other than the. I kind of understand like the logline version, the small version of it. I don't actually know what it's about. So it it will be interesting to like compare it back to this and maybe she had kind of because when when was when were both of those films? 2013 and 2013, yeah. And when was the Heart Locker? Uh 2008. Yeah. So big time jump between each thing. Maybe she had kind of she was finding some kind of way to reconcile that i don't know potentially yeah again i can't really comment on it because i haven't seen any of her other films but as a direction style like what do you think i i think it i think it worked i i I think the main thing like like i said was the the kind of interspersion of of the real life stuff 
and as like you said especially towards the beginning um it made a very real visceral situation feel more real which it's meant to because it is real obviously um and grounds it further in reality which i feel like is something that catherine bigelow does it with her films yeah so so, yeah. yeah, I've actually just got a review up on Letterboxd that I'd saved that is about her direction specifically. It says, I greatly admire Catherine Bigelow, but with Detroit, she's become yet another in a long line of white filmmakers who confuse inflicting pain on black bodies with telling a story about black lives. How can you let Will Poulter's psychopathic cop dominate so much of this movie? This isn't the silence of the lambs. Racist cops aren't Hannibal Lecter. They're real and they they already exert an outsized influence on our society before you give one a pulpit in your Hollywood movie. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. I was just saying, it's just, it was so overt, wasn't it? And over the top. It's just, I don't know, it's so gratuitous and extended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you make a very fair point about it seeming like Will Poulter's character was the main character when, yeah, yeah, it, it just seems completely wrong for that to be the case. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that it got lost in his kind of like, look at how bad this guy is and he's Mm. corrupting all the other guys and like he's telling this guy to kill them and then like the guys coming. It it is exactly what we were kind of speaking about before of like every character was getting grace in their own way, like except for him. And Mm. he was very much the focus of and like watching him deteriorate and go into his own mind and go insane was kind of like what we were supposed to be focusing on. And I think that when you've got such graphic scenes like I can't think of another film that has this level of that I've seen no no, I can't think of any either yeah and like to literally have to watch like blood like roll out the floor and we get really uncomfortable like in their faces kind of yeah so claustrophobic at times isn't it yeah and the thing is as well like it's not just the physical torture that we have to you know watch them go through it's the mental torture as well Mm. like the scene where he's telling them to start praying and they're like you know i I just that even just that on its own is horrible to watch yeah Mm. and it was so extended as well wasn't it that's yeah yeah how long was that bit because i actually feel like it was shorter than i remembered it being was it maybe 45 minutes sure it was the, the the like it was a the big chunk of the body. film yeah like but a, i feel like the first the first half an hour was the like kind of contextualizing and then it was for i feel like there was just as 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 long spent with the court i think there was at least 30 but minutes. it d- definitely didn't feel like it it felt like the scene in the motel was like the longest most yeah i think it was probably like an hour yeah uh, runtime. It'd be interesting to see actually the the real ratio of that to see if it it felt long or if it was long. Mm, yeah, definitely. or both, because <laughs> it really felt like it was the whole runtime. To it, be honest, yeah, it was very drawn out, and you wonder whether they did that on purpose. And if they did, that's kind of a terrible thing, really. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a really hard one because I think when I first came out of it, having not much context, I was like oh, everybody needs to see this. Everybody needs to, like, to know. And I think that there is, an, there is a certain way of, of telling these stories. Like, there's actually some really good videos, which we could probably link in the show notes, yep. that kind of tell the story a bit more concisely and not 
uh, and not so scattershot in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, not so like I don't know. And again, it's about whose perspective the story is told from mm. as well, because it really did feel like those moments were told from the the police perspective rather than the victims. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because of like where we're at now as a as a society versus where we were in in 2017 not that we've come very far but as in like we are seeing this more free like I'd say I'd see a video at least once a week now that it I don't know if it came out this year it'd be like do we really need to like like how much more education do we do we have to say that we get before we're like okay like we should actually learn and not just like take all of this inside of us Yeah. yeah like how long before we're actually gonna it's like exactly what you were saying about do do we then give ourselves a free pass after we've seen it to be like yeah well I've done my it's like saying that's enough that's my education done kind of thing yeah and like the whole like last summer when white people were logging off it's like oh I'm so fatigued with being an ally it's like what are you talking about like <laughs> it's people's lives and like we don't get to step away like we get the privilege of stepping away from it and shutting down the computer if we so wish but it's like people were living this every single day we don't I don't know this is people's lives like yeah Mm. I mean I think that was another great one um another unlimited screening uh which was much better uh just mercy um yeah you caught that one well not better but better done if that makes sense I no I think you're completely right yeah I've but the interesting thing about just mercy is it was the first film made on the inclusion rider so the majority of the 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 cast and the crew were um yeah underrepresented filmmakers and and I think that that goes to show like when we give the stories to the people whose stories it is mm. we get Such something authenticity as and yeah yeah and something as like compassionate and empathetic and 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 I don't know what the word is but like calling people to action to to change yeah yeah I think we won't see another film in the future made by a white filmmaker when with a subject like that Mm. that'll never happen again I don't think but I feel like I feel like in a way like there's a there's a way to to do it as in like if most of the the cast and crew fit the person whose story it's like it's the same thing with with women's stories if like you know you've got a cast and crew that's majority male like nine times out of ten the movie's going to be bad it's like you need you need people whose story it is to tell their story, and mm-hmm. it, there's so many people in the industry now that there's no excuse for it not to be. Yeah, exactly. To be that. Completely. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that more like nowadays, especially with like. Like sort of things like Judas and the Black Messiah. And stuff yeah, like that. handing the stories to the people whose stories it is, and being like, "You tell it, and and we'll yeah. and we'll watch and we'll listen." I think we'll. Um we'll say now that like if you've watched this film you know make sure that you go and do your own research and yeah we will also um we'll link some stuff in the show page as well and Mm -hmm. promote some of that kind of stuff definitely um i just think watching it for a second time and obviously between the gaps of 2017 and now um it's definitely interesting to sort of take a step back and look at it in context and um to see the changes and things um 
from when I first saw it, as you as you all said. Um, yeah, just do a bit more research about it. Go and watch Just Mercy because it's a better film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I will sing the high praises of Just Mercy. Yes, it's, it's really great. Yeah. Well, it is that time again. Before we get into the wheel spin, uh, Nicola, we ask all our guests this question. Um, you've had a chance to look at the Annapurna back catalogue. Um, what are uh, some of the other Annapurna films that you're a fan of? Um, I really like Sorry to Bother You. I thought it was a little bit bonkers, but I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> obviously, you've done Booksmart, but that was my favourite. That was great. Um, and If Bill Street Could Talk, that's a great one too. Yes. I am so, Alex, you've not seen If Bill Street Could Talk. You keep reminding me (laughs) of the fact that I've not seen it and I feel awful (laughs) because I love Barry Jenkins as a filmmaker. Oh my gosh, (laughs) yes. And Nicholas Rattel. So let's hope that the wheel has that for us this week. (laughs) Let's hope. Right, well, it is now time. Spin it. To spin it. Billy, what are you hoping for? There's no point asking you this question anymore because... What are you hoping for? (laughs) Uh, sausage party as always every single week you want sausage party <laughs> and the film has been picked what is it what is it well um the next episode of the Annapurnaverse we shall be delving into pause for dramatic effect while I search the director so that I can say um <laughs> So it's not a Phil Street at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, on the next episode of the Annapurnaverse, we are going to be delving into David O. Russell's American <gasps> Hustle. No way! No way! How many weeks have I been saying I want that? <laughs> no way! Okay, I feel like okay, you I'm have so excited. It. I'm so excited. <laughs> I Again, another Annapurna film that I have not seen. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. It's got Jennifer Lawrence, Christian Bale and Amy Adams. And Bradley Cooper. Christian Bale went a bit overweight. Yes, Yes. and a comb over. I think he did, yeah. Oh my gosh, so different. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to watch this film before um, the next episode, it's on Amazon Prime. Nicola, um, where can we find you? What what are you up to these days? Uh, Maybe just on Twitter. Um, Or... uh, we have a hook.co.uk is the website um, and Twitter is uh, at we have a hook. And we will put that in the description so you can find it easily. Cool. Well, as always, thank you, Billy. Thank you, Alex. Thank you very much for joining us, Nicola. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, and we we will we'll, we'll end the episode as we always do. So Nicola, take it away. Uh, see you in a perverse. No, to that, I don't know if I came out. <laughs> That's perfect. That will work. That will work. Awesome. Cool. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.